being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. That's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. Fuck them Raiders. Welcome back to the Thunder Down Under Chargers football podcast. Andy here, your host, joined solely this week by Alistair. No Jack, no big man. He's busying himself with work functions, trip to the barber to get himself ready to show up for groomsman duties, just like myself. This Friday, it's your wedding, mate. Couldn't be more excited for you. Me the too, show man. must go on, so here we are, Sans teacher, Alistair Buddy. It would have been a fairy tale lead up present for what will be a stupidly memorable week of your life. Alas, it was not to be. We were two very deflated men sat side by side last night watching this divisional bout go from okay to not great to curtains in the space of really about 30 minutes. Um, the chance of a Chargers encore always threatening but never arriving in time this week. How are you? How are you feeling? Tell me everything. You- you know what, this week losses, close losses to hated rivals don't quite mean as much. I really do feel on cloud nine. I've, I've just come from, as you know, I've just come from a practice rehearsal with our celebrant and, the, you know, lay some nerves on the day, that kind of thing. And everything's locked and loaded, ready to be standing there with you and Jack and my other groomsmen by my side and to say, I do. Or these days we say, I will. That's how we're doing our vows. So we can't, we can't wait, man. And... The Raiders lost didn't really matter. Just sitting with you, we were having some beers, chewing the fat. Um, got a very exciting honeymoon to the USA starting s- almost immediately after taking off next Wednesday. So listeners, I'll be taking a little short reprieve from the podcast for about five episodes while I travel all around the United States. But we'll see if I can still participate in some kind of way. I haven't told my wife to be yet, but I'll see if I can get involved still, even though I won't be bringing all my equipment with me. See if the marriage survives the honeymoon. We'll find a way. We Jack and I may have to up our production skills in order to get your little potential videos. Very jealous of everything that's coming your way, man. Um, uh, look, I've been friends with you for a, a lifetime in itself. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic to see you grow as a human and share this special moment being right up there next to you. So lots to look forward to. And you're probably right. There's probably a little bit of a shadow of that over this loss as much as it sucked. And this was actually one for me, I think, where sometimes you watch it and it hurts. And yes, it's only sort of 24 hours since we viewed, but I haven't digested that. Uh, I'm still a bit dirty um, because while you say that the divisional loss doesn't mean a lot in that sense, it really does in the season. It means a lot. We're going to get deeply stuck into that. Take a look at what went right and what went wrong, what continues to go wrong. Uh, in the week 13 loss in Vegas and the daunting prospect that awaits the Chargers at home on the flexed Sunday night football matchup week 14 versus... Why do they keep flexing us, mate? They keep flexing us into primetime. We've only won one of the four. Yeah, that's... Herbie loaded versus Tua, that's why. Yeah, it's that um, fifth and sixth pick cup. 
All right, as always, guys, thank you for joining us. Listeners and viewers alike, please take the time to get around the show, get around the episode, give it a like and a subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We really appreciate you, and it does mean a lot to us. Uh, just, you know, get in through the logarithms and what have you. All right, Los Angeles Chargers 20, Las Vegas Raiders 27. It was a cheeky three and out by the Raiders to start proceedings. Didn't mind that. Kept the concerns of winning the toss and deferring possession yet again at bay. In a week where trailing early would sure spell disaster, the Chargers D did not need a half to warm up. Instead, getting off to a feisty start, a forced fumble Kenny Murray, recovered by Carl Van Noy, and a pass broken up by Asante Samuel Jr., intercepted by Bryce Callahan with the house call. On the other side of the ball, though, it was shaping up to be a long, long day. Pressure coming from everywhere. I tell you, if the Germans of 1914 were anything like these Chargers O-linemen in the trenches, the Great War would have been over in a week. Four first-half sacks to the Raiders made the 13-10 halftime score flattering for an offense struggling to move the ball against a dominant pass-rushing force. An Austin Eckler fumble and a missed 52-yard field goal attempt by the Dicker was made a mockery of by the three plays it took Derek Carr and Devontae Adams to turn this game on its head. 13-24 down, five minutes played in the third, borderline disaster for the Bolts. As the home side controlled the clock for the remainder of the quarter, Josh McDaniels almost allowed the Chargers a sniff at a potential comeback, settling for a field goal from the Chargers 6 to just go up by 14 points. If not for a slice of supreme brilliance from one alien to another, Herbert unleashing a dime to Keenan Allen in the end zone on an extended 4th and 12, bringing the score back to within 7. Hopes are up. It simply wasn't enough. And the day was not to be. Chargers delivering themselves one nail in the 2022 season coffin, 6-6 six and six on the year with a 2-3 and three divisional record, and more growing injury concerns on the defensive line, Sebastian Joseph Day leaving the ground with what looked like yet another right knee injury. Our mate, this was bloody hard to stomach. Um, considering how the O-line struggled, probably could have been a lot uglier when the, by the time the final whistle blew. Hit me with your best shot. Let's, let's kick off with the positives. Yeah, let's do it. Because for once, the positive was how we started the game, as you alluded to at the beginning. I mean, we have this super exciting start where it looks like the defense is ready to play. Callahan, Murray making a play in coverage. Suddenly you get the Kenny Murray force fumble. Kyle Van Noy recovered a ball that he had no business recovering. You know, actually complimentary football to start the game. You know, we have a quick punt return as well by DeAndre Carter. But... It was so frustrating after we had this kind of momentum, right? We go for a fake punt. Josh Kelly gets it. How exciting was that? I can't remember the last time I saw um, a Chargers head coach make that call. Perfect time to call it, right? After the first drive of the Chargers game, no one's expecting you going for a fourth for a fake punt there. Perfect timing. Really good instincts. Uh, but then it was just the failure to capitalize, man. It was... The decision to go for it early on the fourth down, which I'm personally in favor of. I know Jack was tweeting that he wasn't. I get both sides. For me there, you know, the score's 0-0. It's early in the game. It's a fourth and two. You're at the, you know, Vegas 17. I'm happy to try go up 7-0 there. Didn't work out. But you know what? We end up getting a 10-point lead in this game anyway. Um, mm. Despite that, defense is playing well. Offense is finding a way to get through, but then the same features that we've seen all season, man, started slowly coming back to haunt us. Just little moments, errors, 
starting the second half at a snail's pace, uh, ended up, geez, how quickly, how quickly did the vibe and score change in this game in the third quarter after those two Raiders touchdowns? Oh, just the speed, the speed at with, at, with which they executed those. I think, what did I say? It was three plays to a 41 and a 35 yard score to both to Adams. Just like, just nuts. It was, um, it was a real whack in the face and it just wasn't helped by the fact that the longer the day went on, the offensive line was just getting destroyed. Uh, credit where it's due. There was four sacks in the first half and only one in the second, but like, it's just, we, we start ramping up the big time plays late in the game when we're playing conservative, slow crap offense beforehand. Um, and we just, we just couldn't get the ball moving. We were saying right from the right from the get go, it's going to be a long day if this is how the offense is moving the ball down the field. And then they have two explosive plays that score, and we're looking at each other, going, "How how can we get out of this?" You know, mate. Like I said, I, it's just no. You keep going. I was just saying, like I said, it's it's just it hurts when we you see that touchdown throw to Keenan Allen on the fourth and twelve, where Herbie's extended the play. Keenan's run a second route. Like, why does it come to the last ditch for us to even look to execute good plays where we're not throwing a minus five yard A dot screen um, to someone who can't move out into space and gets tackled at the line of scrimmage or before? You're right. We make plays in desperation mode, but I, yeah. I think this is arguably the biggest game where you can. Go after Joe Lombardi if you're a Chargers fan. Go after him if you feel like it. I'm not going to disagree or put up a fight because the game planning from my perspective in this one was borderline arrogant when you're coming into the game knowing that your offensive line is stuffed. You know that you don't have Lindsley or Slater. You don't even have Pipkins. So you, you've got a turnstile and you're coming up against Chandler Jones, who just had the best game of, of the year last year, last week, and Max Crosby, who is probably or arguably the defensive player of the year or one of them. The amount of times Herbert dropped back in that game, he dropped back to pass 58 times. Tight ends were used in pass protection on only nine snaps out of those 58. Running backs on only 10 of them. That is arrogant. We're dropping back to pass with only our five offensive linemen, and they were just teeing off on him. As you said, Andy, five sacks for the game, allowing 22 pressures overall, and we did not make adjustments until well into the second half. We were just saying, look, we're going to run our offense, hope that we you know, hit some shots against his secondary. We're going to trust it to hold up long enough for Herbert to get the throw off. He could not get a throw off in that first half. Every time yeah. it was a third down, he was getting sacked. So what does it take for you to put your running back into the formation to have him chipping or Max protect? Max, where were the rollouts? Where were the, you know, there was nowhere near enough RPOs, uh, bubble screens, stuff to, you know, misdirection with the running back, stuff to get, don't allow Max Crosby and his mate to tee off. And gee, seeing Jerry Tillery get a few pressures, doesn't that make you sick as well to the stomach? Yeah. Uh, there, look, there are moments where, and it's uh, things that uh, Herbert's still kind of learning, but we're seeing it a little bit more than we have 
in his career to date in probably the last month where he's turning a ridiculous amount of pressures into sacks. Mm. And we were he was the least sacked quarterback through seven or eight weeks. Yep. And off the top of my head, there's been like 13 seven in three weeks or six or something. And then a, yeah, seven, six and a five or something. Um, it's, it's bad news. Um, I could, I could be getting those wrong. I'm shooting from the hit, but it was another five today and it was 20.8% of, um, pressures that he turned into sacks. Um, and wouldn't you think, what do I think about that? Mate, no, wouldn't you think when you're getting sacked at that rate, you would lean into the running game a little bit more in the second half. I can't believe how few we only ran the ball seven times in the second half. Josh Kelly, he was looked like he had pretty good vision and, and wiggle from his carries. He was going at 4.3 yards a clip. When they're getting that much pressure, and the defense at that stage of the game was playing quite well. We had a 10-point lead. I would have liked to see a little bit more balance. I'm usually a pass-first guy. Not when you're missing three or five starting offensive linemen and they're getting the pressure they were early in the game. Yeah, completely. Yeah, another personnel thing. Now, Sony Michelle was inactive. Isaiah Spiller was active. Isaiah Spiller, to my knowledge, did not play a snap. And is Sony Michelle injured? Because this is the sort of game, like you said, it's that arrogance of not preparing properly. When you know what you have and you know what they have, uh, with a dodgy O-line and an awesome uh, pass rush, um, you're not bringing in the best pass blocking back that we have, which is Sony Michel. Uh, it's one of his strengths, I, I believe. I don't think mm. he's a receiving back. He's not a long yardage back. Short downs, pass protection. He's done a, done a decent job. We, we're not running 13, um, uh, 22 personnel or... 13 personnel really uh it's yeah, it's nuts another thing as well um one of the big issues with jerry tillery as a charger was how rubbish he was in run defense did we run the ball at jerry tillery at all i, I don't think so that's just it's lack of preparation and arrogance um and i completely agree with you on that um it's it's really uninspiring as a fan to see to a degree talent just sort of get wasted and I'm yeah, like I said, or are, are we expecting too much because of personnel, mate, or is this fair criticism? Well, I think it's fair criticism because uh, injuries are not a an excuse; they're part of a reason and or causation, and we're not adapting to that. We're not um, agree. We're not, you know, changing our our game plan or the structure. We're just saying no, no, no. This is how we want to do it. We're going to do it regardless who's on the field. We believe in the guys that we have. You're out of your mind, brother. You're out we of sound your mind. like hypocrites a bit. Now I think of like, uh, so the average depth of target for the Chargers in this game was 8.8. It was one of the highest of the year. And it sounds like what we're calling for was a bit more low average depth of target, dink and dunk, throw to your running backs because your pass protection so bad. Whereas this is one where the fans who have generally been critical of Lombardi He's almost come out and he's pretending he's got like the the Cowboys offensive line from a few years ago or one of the great O lines in front of him. He's just calling set five and seven step drops, reckless yes. abandon, airing it out. And now he's probably thinking, hey, guys, you asked me to do this, right? Nine yards per target depth. Let's see what happens. I hope moronic. he wasn't just trying to prove a point to me and you. That is <laughs> <laughs> moronic pragmatism at its finest. Uh, I really hope not. 
But the, the another thing I find funny is just while we're on the what the fans are calling for, and now it's six and six. Now it is it is Coach Payton. That's we're the in It's mm. Coach Payton. Who do you think he's going to keep as the offensive coordinator? Probably his buddy from New Orleans. You're not going to get less Joe Lombardi, I wouldn't have thought. Um, so careful what you wish for. I still strongly believe it just won't happen. And yeah, look, at desperate times, you can cry for desperate things, I guess. No, um, and look, I haven't quite given up on the season. I know it sounds like we should give up, but in my head, and I've said this in a fan post section on Bolts from the Blue, I th- I predicted we would lose this game. I thought Lindsley, Pipkins, too much. M- no Mike Williams, no Bozer, we're in trouble here. I thought, though, we have it in us to sneak a win against a Dolphins team or a Titans team, one of the two, if a couple of those guys return. So I don't think the season's over. The Chargers need to win their last three games, for sure. They're going to have to win against the Colts, the Rams, and the Broncos. If they need to find a way to win one of these next two games, and then that will take them to 10 wins and a genuine shot of the wild card. I don't think that is impossible by any stretch of the imagination, if we can get some healthy players returning. Because I actually thought overall the head coaching in this game showed some of Staley's strengths versus McDaniels, who I thought coached poorly. And everyone who's saying move on from Staley, you're going to lose some of the competitive advantage you get from Staley going for that fourth down at the start of the game, trying to win it, trying to go up by seven, two-point conversion last week. What does McDaniels do? He was trying to help us win through bad coaching last night. Off tap. The Raiders are up 24 to 13 with 15 minutes left in the game, right? Fourth and one from the Chargers six. As you said, Prof, they attempt a 25-yard field goal to take the margin to 14 points instead of putting it beyond reach. That is doing us a favor. And then final possession of the game. They go run, run, run. 31 seconds remaining. They're up 27-20, fourth and three from the Chargers 40. How about run the ball with Josh Jacobs and win the game right there? No. What do they do? A 30-yard punt and at least give Herbert 25 seconds of clock to throw the ball down the field. He, they're poor decisions in isolation. I think Staley's making more correct decisions than bad ones and has done so for the last four or five weeks. What they need to work on is your in-game adjustments, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. What did you make of the defense, Andy? We haven't spoken about the defense too much yet. I'll, I'll le- leave it open to you. What did you think first versus second half? Uh, well, look, as I alluded to, I thought that we started awesome. Two forced turnovers we were really vibing out there. Um, Bryce Callahan was great in run blitzing, uh, especially early on. He did struggle a little bit in coverage, but obviously had that pick six. Um, Kenny Murray. Look, for all that we bash him, he's, he played well. He, he really played well. He was good in coverage. Um, he stood up well and covered for Drew Tranquil, who battled illness late in the week. Um, yep. It showed he probably wasn't at his normal standard. Gave up that big 32-yard reception to Foster Moreau. Took a couple of bad sides on the guard and tackle in, in run D and allowed Josh Jacobs that 20-yard touchdown. Um I thought Michael Davis was pretty admirable in his efforts when marked up on Devontae. He, he was superb, res- man. He was yeah. he was really good in that game. Only only two receptions of six targets and twenty two yards conceded. He had that awesome pass breakup in the end zone as well. 
Yep. Um, look, uh, I think from a downside, um, when we're really struck and look, this is partly a personnel thing, but we're really struggling to convert pressures into sacks. Uh, it's becoming a, a real defining problem of this defense, just not being able to get itself off the field. Context you brought up, Las Vegas had 22 pressures and five sacks. Chargers, eight pressures and zero sacks. Um, Where is Derek Chris Hunt, Rumpf, mate? Where is Chris oh, Rumpf? Where are the people but, standing up in Bose's absence? Mac can't do it all. Neither can Van Noy. Um, Derek Tusker's trash, which is a bad pickup. Um, Derek Carr and this below average offensive line that the Raiders have, it just he had so much time in the pocket to progress through his reads, allow, you know, one thing to allow 144 yards to Josh Jacobs. That's sort of expected. We know how we're going to approach this sort of dual threat offense where we go, let's let's allow five-yard gains rather than 30 and 40 in the air. And, and can, I thought we bottled him up well at different parts of the game, especially the first half. Yeah. There were aspects of the run defense that looked pretty good to my eye. There were a lot of short runs thrown in. Don't forget they rode him. They gave him 26 carries, and he ended up busting a couple later on in the game. That's why they do it. Yeah. But, yeah so, go, look, on. go on. 144 yards to Jacobs, uh, but then 177 and two touchdowns for Devontae Adams. Now, don't get yep. me wrong. Like, on a functioning, consistently functioning offense and a consistently functioning quarterback like he had last year, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, he is the best wide receiver in the league. The stuff that he can do, and you just watch him and you go, golly, he's polished. Like, come on. Um, Made Samuel look like it. Yeah, you beat yeah. me to it. Uh, had a howler. Went six of six and no good. And just looked, he looked real varsity compared to um, a senior in college kind of thing. Got the got the tip for the pick six to start the game. Could have been a flag, but anyway. Um, yeah, well. Um, but other than Moreau that, had struggling. to go off with the um, concussion protocol, didn't he? After getting yeah. pole axe in the back of the head, I believe. I think it was on him. He came uh, yeah, Chris Chris Rumpf, look. Joey Bosa being out continues to be a huge loss in both pass rush and run defense. But when you create and develop a roster knowing how it's next man up. You value depth for these reasons in key positions. Chris Rumpf is just not a capable NFL edge rusher. Missed tackles. A lot. Um, a lot. Uh, I think we had, on, on the whole, 12 to 8 missed tackles. Um, and when you've got a bruiser like Josh Jacobs with, at, at a lot of the times, the poor angles that our tacklers take. Um, yeah. <sighs> That's that's how I sort of feel about the defense. Just looked looked good in parts, got diced up in others. Um, and, and special teams. This was a week where you know Cameron Dicker has his first ever fifty yard attempt from fifty two. He misses, so he was twelve of thirteen prior to that attempt. That was a miss. And even though it's only small amounts of yardage, we were discussing it live and going mental, Andy. The most egregious thing is coming out in the second half, kickoff returns, man. The Chargers mm. attempted four kickoff returns in the second half, all of which didn't make it back to the 25. We lost 18 yards in total from those fourth attempt, four attempts. And I don't understand 
what you're doing as coaches there. The ball's dropping at the one or the two. If you let it bounce, that's going into the end zone. Start at the 25, guys. We're lucky that we also didn't have a holding flag on one of those because you know that on special teams, 50% of the time there's a defensive holding call on the returning team. Don't run it out of the end zone. Just don't do yeah. it. Why are you shooting yourselves in the foot? Right. Anyway, that's my special teams rant. They've otherwise been awesome all year, but this game I thought the Raiders outcoached us on special teams. Yeah. Scott was still good. Some of his punts were phenomenal. Really good. Uh, hang time is out of this world, literally. Um, and I, I didn't mind backing Dicker to hit that 52. It was a shame he no. missed his first career attempt over 50 yards. He is 0 of 1. Yep. Um, yeah, it kind of felt like he, did, he didn't look the sort of same. He's got a bit of odd, nerdy swag about him. And uh, I think when he came to take a point after try, he um, yeah, he just didn't didn't have that vibe. So that that clearly rocked him. But we move on. Al stubbornness yes, and Coach Staley are becoming synonymous on social media. I'm finding of late. How does this sit with you? What does it mean to you? Well, what what's the claim? Particularize it. Plead it out properly. In what sense I, is he stubborn? His his commitment to. Which philosophies would be my question back to Chargers fans? Uh, I think his game plan philosophies sticking with the script and also, as I alluded to before, maybe thinking that this is the game plan irrespective of the personnel. We trust our guys. Doesn't seem to want to budge. I see that happening more on the offensive side of the ball personally. I have seen him vary his approach over the over the course of the season. There were periods where we suddenly became the one of the highest blitz-happy teams in the NFL. That's gone back to not happening as much more recently. We run a variety of three and four and five and six-man fronts. Personnel, I take your point. We've chopped and changed a little bit. You wonder how much that's the coach. So, for example, Adley had 61 snaps. Gilman only had six. I don't like that stuff. I think Adderley's a better player, but when Gilman had the game of his career last week, I just don't like the tone that sets. Adderley actually played all right, but there are those weird personnel things where you're right. It's it's sort of like maybe there's a stubbornness to trust Kenny Murray or to trust Nazir Adderley. If those lie at the feet of Staley, I agree he's stubborn. But it's a fine line between stubbornness and belief. And you don't want to resile from your beliefs too quickly because you may not give them a chance to actually manifest uh, themselves on the field. And especially with the fourth down calls, the idea of being aggressive on fourth down is if you do it long enough, you win overall. You might have variation over certain periods of time, but the idea is it gives you a long-term advantage if you do it. So I think he's just an open-minded guy who's willing to make changes. Lombardi maybe a bit more stubborn and stuck in his ways. Mm. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I think you're pretty well on the point with the the differentiation between stubbornness and belief. He's a big preacher in the belief and them to... I just find it hard when we don't really adapt to the change in the lineup and who's available. And that's where uh, maybe stubbornness isn't the right word and I could have used a couple of relative synonyms People are saying it. So, I mean, all you're doing is repeating what you've read, which is fine. Yeah, well, I just think it's a a good point. We've been quite pro-Staley and 
Um, at six and six, uh, our season's on the line with every minute that passes now. And um, look, a lot of people are calling for his head. So you, we've, we can't avoid it and just sort of be ignorant to, to the masses and the mob. Um, well, you know what they say, if you listen to the fans, you become one. That's what mm. they say about front office execs and personnel. Fans have no idea what they're talking about. About 80% of fans are prisoners of the moment. Their emotions that, that get the better us. of them. There's no elitism here. That absolutely includes us. We are not in a head office or any of that shit. Yes, appreciate you clarifying. <laughs> well, they're not responding to the applications we put in, but that's okay. But like, the, the, but the idea, I mean, you do need when you're in a managerial decision, you're making decisions. You need to try and be dispassionate, objective. Should make a decision within 24, 48 hours of a game. If you read the tone and tenor of tweets within the 48 hours of a game versus the 24 hours before the next one. Every week I do a bloody Twitter poll. Are the Chargers going to win? What will be the margin or will the Chargers lose? Do you know every single week the majority of votes have gone to Chargers win, no matter who the opponent is? Yeah. So, I mean, clearly in their heart they believe in it. Maybe they don't believe in Staley, but they believe in Herbert. Who knows? Um, But look, there are objective reasons to be really concerned with you know where the team ranks in a number of really key metrics, whether it be on defense or on offense. So that doesn't mean the coaching staff are immune from criticism, but you need the contextual picture to be clear, which is Brendan Hymas came into this game at right guard at a certain point for Zion Johnson, and our line looked like Sawyer, Filer, Clapp, Brendan Hymas, and Foster Sorrell. I mean, is Bill Walsh making that team win a game against the Raiders? You tell me. I mean, it, not that the game was unwinnable, but you must, you must acknowledge the injuries that this team has suffered in any conversation around Brandon Staley. The team is six and six with a bit more season to play out. I'm, I'm nowhere near off the band yet, wagon yet. I agree with you. Um, there, I think a tweet that, or a reply tweet that you wrote. Um, you, you need a, a year with this team healthy to be able to understand what we can provide. And it's just so fickle. Everything in these these days, everything needs to be now because everything is so accessible. It all needs to be now. And there's no patience uh, or understanding of development. It's just now, now, now. And look, we probably haven't got ourselves into the best situation financially with the cap and how it's sort of structured. We've Tom's done his best, but um, it, yeah, that on that offensive line and just how it's rotated. Storm Norton played over a thousand snaps last year. There was criticism then, as there was during the off season and the preseason, to justify his spot on the roster. We now have Pipkins on the outer, unable to shake this knee injury, but Norton's still overlooked for Foster Sorrell. Why is this guy on the roster? And on top of that, does Tom Telesco get away a little too unscathed for your liking? Oh, he should have been fired years ago. Years ago. (laughs) We know that. Uh, No, Telesco doesn't get off. I mean, there've been some really, really good. He doesn't get off lightly with fans or people who follow the team closely. Tao on Bots from the Blue did a really clever and clear analysis of how Telesco's draft picks perform 
based on their expected performance from when uh, from where he drafts in the round. And I can't remember the precise ranking, but it was definitely the bottom quartile of NFL GMs. Yeah, because he's got friends in the media and he's friendly to media, he really gets off pretty lightly. Any NFL analyst and Daniel Jeremiah's his mate and Bucky Brooks likes him. So he doesn't feel the pressure and he's in the pocket of the ownership. So he's got one of the best jobs in the world, that guy. Not to say that they're not making some smart personnel decisions right now. I mean, like you said, Andy, this is the first year of the Staley guys altogether. And a lot of them aren't there. Austin Johnson was playing really well out for the year. We lose Joey Bosa. JC Jackson, you signed this blue chip corner, barely plays, right? What we hadn't quite done. Barely plays is, well. He had five games. Yes. Shit. But he, pl- yeah, he, he played was injured. Poorly. He played injured. Yes. Exactly. And I think you'd need the one year of the team playing together. But don't forget, we're needing to continue to build depth behind those players. What's one of the bigger tra- tra- tragedies and travesties is we drafted Tito Abonia in the fifth round. Really promising rookie year. The idea is next year he starts to really take on and suddenly you're building this defensive line that isn't just Austin Johnson and SJD. It's them and Obonia and whoever you get at the end of this year and you actually start to have a proper deep rotation that can win Super Bowls. We don't have the depth yet. We have the pieces Staley wanted in key spots. Haven't built the depth underneath just yet. You can't do it in one year. So once the key pieces disappear, you're left with a soft underbelly and what we've seen are those results, I think. Yeah. Essentially, it's a it's a mass roster overhaul and trying to disguise it as not a rebuild, isn't it? First daily yeah. to get his cornerstones and then everything that um, complements it, which we just don't have. You're seeing that. Like back to the O-line, Jaime's played eight snaps when Zion came off. Uh, he gave up three total pressures, including two hits. We'll clap the whole O-line. And to, I think to show how rubbish the rest of the O-line is, Matt Filer actually looked half decent, especially in pass, pass protection. Um, at least he's sort of standing up in a leadership manner without anyone else there who's played more than 10, 15 starts. Like crazy, crazy business. Uh, look, that's, um, that's probably all I've got on the wrap up. What, have you got anything further that you're burning to add? Cause we'll get onto our yeah, nah, nah, yes. I'd like to farewell Greg, Greg Gumbel from the commentary booth <laughs> now and forevermore. I mean, Adam Archuleta was doing his best, best with him at one point is like, uh, Hey Greg, there are there are three wide receivers in the league who've made five consecutive Pro Bowls. Keenan Allen is one. Any guess who one of the other two might be? No idea, Arch. Uh, Devante Adams in this game. It, they just have some of the worst repartee of any broadcasting duo in the league. Greg Gumble should have packed it in years ago. So um, yeah, that didn't make me feel any better about the loss, mate. <laughs> yeah, you got fired up. Did point that one out to me. Quite enjoyable. He sounds like a spoon. All right. Uh, nothing further. Now that you're getting onto the commentators, I'm sure. Um, you didn't want to add that there should have been that holding call on Keenan Allen late in the game that probably could have helped us. We don't want to get into ref what was blunders. This a, 
It's a blatant miscall, but I think the Raiders fans were equally angry about a pick six where Asante got some body contact on the receiver. So I think that was a line ball one, but I don't know if you can get too angry about it when we had a non-call put seven points on the board. fair share early, that's for sure. There were a few missed ones early on that really aided us on our approach. All right. The Nayer Award for this week, as presented by yours truly, it's got to be the play. It has to be. It has to be. Fourth and 12. Herbert extends the play, as does Keenan. Perfect throw. Awesome catch with tight coverage. It really pumped some life into the fourth quarter comeback. It wasn't to be, but goddamn, that was special. And that is what this offense is capable of. Agree. That was the standout. What a play. God, we've missed him. Imagine if we had them both healthy for the entire year. They gave it a glimpse of it. It also brought up Keenan's 50th career receiving touchdown. And Mm -hmm. sadly, just his second year, which is, um, I'm pretty sure that graphic popped up on the screen. I was just watching the game, brother. I like it. Uh, I like it. uh, Yeah. And just sadly, he's only his second. Uh, receiving Tuddy on the year, which um, is understandable for how much he missed, but we missed him. This week's Yeah Nah Award. And the Yeah Nah, it was meant to be a bit of a joke at the start about Aussies, you know, how we how we do that as a response. But with these awards, a lot of the time we're handing it out to a recipient where you're making both sounds genuinely this was yeah, nah, with Zion in the game. Or oh, is he injured? Nah, oh, Hymas is in. Oh, yeah, Zion's back in the game. Look, he's there. Oh, nah, Hymas is in the game. Three pressures in eight snaps, as you said. So my yeah, nah goes to the revolving door on the offensive line. And this week, it happened to be the right guard spot. It changes every single week. Yeah, nah, to Zion and Brendan Hymas. Mm. Well, glad we've got through that. Once again, fuck the Raiders. And uh, we move on to week 14 with Miami Dolphins. Now, out of the Chargers game, as we mentioned, Sebastian Joseph Day left the field after sustaining, you guessed it, the soup du jour, a sprained MCL. Join the fucking club. Uh, He was really struggling to wait bear. He was helped from the field. I'd be speculating his return as I'm not a doctor. But I would expect to see, wouldn't expect to see him back in the next two to four weeks. Fantastic. Um, Who's left? That's a great, great question. Barely um, anyone. Joe Gazzano. Fahoko. Fahoko. Tyler. Tyler, Dav- Tyler Davison. Davison. Oh dear. Oh golly. <laughs> Yikes. Um, like you said, Zion Johnson exited the game but returned. Apparently suffered a shoulder injury of some sort. Staley says he'll be day-to-day. Bryce Callahan day-to-day with a core muscle complaint. Corey Lindsley remains in the concussion protocol. Both Trey Pipkins and Mike Williams are both day-to-day. Uh, Coach Staley expecting the latter, Mike Williams, to return to practice this week. Still no update on Joey Bosa. There's genuine talks within the building that his return will be predicated by the Chargers' hopes of playing in the postseason. So if all hopes fail, uh, we will have seen the last of Joey B. Uh, it's probably not the dumbest thing in the world. We're paying him $24 million next year, so let's try and get 15 or 17 games out of him. Agree. Donald Parham scheduled to return to practice this week, activating yeah. his 21-day window from 
injured reserve. Um, and look, we've only had really, really time to see Brandon Staley in the post game. Obviously, asked about numerous things regarding Herbert and the offense and the defense and just being a sieve for yards. It's actually turning into a colander uh, more than a sieve. Um, so he's understandably pretty flat, um, frustrated with execution, tackling, and I hope himself and the other coordinators for just yeah, a lack, total lack of preparation for my mind. Uh, that's all I've got. So, mate, why don't you run us through the Dolphins' recent game against the San Francisco 49ers? 49ers 33, Dolphins 17. Now both teams sit 8-4, and four, game played at the 49ers' home stadium. Dolphins got off with a bang, very first play from the line of scrimmage. Trent Sherfield, a 75-yard pass from Tua Tungavailoa, as Jack would say, when he's not, you know, combing his moustache. Or, or getting someone to cut it for him. <laughs> uh, the 49ers then found Carl Juszczyk uh, for, a, for a score, because Jimmy G comes out of the game with a foot issue i believe and in comes brock he's done his season is he over gone. broken foot he gone broken foot done damn I'm, i missed that today mate thank you for jumping mm. in so brock purdy will be carrying the load will he shouldering responsibility and he played okay because from that point in the game the 49ers really dominated two or through two interceptions none of them egregious but just showing again that he can make errors if you're able to get pressure on him and the 49ers certainly did that with the likes of Nick Bosa and co bearing down on the left-handed Hawaiian the Dolphins look they they still showed how dangerous they are because Tyreek Hill is just an extraordinary talent and there was just one moment where Tua hits him for the the deep bomb 45 yard pass touchdown and you just realize this team can kill you instantly with one play you're gonna have to always be on your guard against them and defensively, they they continue to be like troublesome. They just they just do enough. They're a kind of pass rush by committee. Chargers fans will of course remember Melvin Ingram, who has the most sacks for the Dolphins this year with seven. He had a sack on the weekend. Xavier Howard had his first interception of the year of Brock Purdy. So look, the Dolphins pose challenges to most teams this year, but on the weekend, the 49ers, who are fast becoming one of the darlings of the NFC put them to the sword. So that having been said, I'll lead us straight into what I see as some of the strengths of this Miami Dolphins team who are dealing with some injuries at the moment, predominantly on the offensive line. They're missing both starting tackles, Teron Armstead, Austin Jackson. And I think we saw that show up on the game just past. It really makes a difference when they don't have Teron Armstead. And Jalen Waddle suffered a leg injury in the second quarter and came out came out, um, and didn't come back in. So I haven't seen the update on his health because we're recording early. But just note there may be some question mark. And that would make a big difference if Waddle didn't suit up because that is their huge strength. It is speed on the outside in their receiving core. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson, Sherfield. And then you've got Tua, who is PFF's number one graded passer in the NFL this season. And credit to the man who we thought might have a good year, and he is. It's this Cole Shanahan factor that now Mike McDaniel's taken with him to, to Miami where they always have really high yards per attempt, no matter who the quarterback is, nine yards per attempt. The average depth of target is about 10 yards as well. They run 45% play action, 
And Tua's time to throw this year is 2.49 seconds, which is the third quickest in the NFL behind Tom Brady and Trevor Lawrence. And that's what he does well. What it means is only 24% of his throws are under pressure because what's Tua good at? Knowing where to go with the ball super quickly. Quick decision, on time, accurate. That's what he's... And credit to him, he's done that at a level that just shows, you know what, you are a franchise quarterback at those things. Where Tua gets a bit in trouble is if he has to hold on the ball a bit longer, if he needs to make some play out of structure because he's not very athletic. And that's where he's prone to one or two turnover-worthy plays if you can bring some pressure on him. So they're as dangerous as any offense in the league. You can make an argument they're the best in the league. They've got Tyreek Hill who's gone for 1,400 yards and Waddle about 1,000. So they're two very big strengths that um, are takeaways for me, Andy. What what do you think about some other offensive strengths that I might not have mentioned? Uh, Look, the way that... um... Mike McDaniel can use the running backs. They kind of packed in the run game against the 49ers. But look, just watch Raheem Mostert explode as the... the they won't against us. They won't pack it in against us. No, well, that's what I'm saying. Watch Mostert um, and Jeff Wilson Jr. just blow up against us as the Chargers focus a lot of energy, uh, minimizing the air raid. We will allow more on the on the ground. Um like you said, the pass rush by committee. Also, they're flashy linebackers, man. Jerome Baker, Landon Roberts, uh, interior linemen, Christian Wilkins and Zach Siler. They're getting Good it players. done. And i got to tell you, it's crazy trouble. We've got to start one or two of Sorrell, Norton, Jaimez, and Corey Lindsley doesn't make it through their concussion protocol. Big trouble. Oh, well, Dude, they had, they, they had 21 pressures against the 49ers. So this yeah. Dolphins defense might be ranked low in certain categories. They know Josh Boyer likes to send pressure. They blitz the 10th most in the league, and they got a lot of pressure against an offensive line in San Francisco. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, even though the um, the cornerbacks aren't that great, they're still getting Javin, Hol- uh, Javin Holland. Uh, he's a mad dog at safety. Um Look, you mentioned that having Teron Armstead and Austin Jackson now on IR, um, pass blocking has been a little bit of a downside of their offense, and you're right. Uh, that will sort of flow into another weakness is you mentioned it as well. If you can get pressure on tour, he is a little bit prone to making the odd bonehead mistake, have a brain fade. He's had 12 turn- turnover-worthy throws and probably interceptions off other ones just due to shit luck. 15 sacks, five interceptions. It's reason enough to try and break this high-octane offense down. Um, in replace of Austin Jackson, just going back to their pass-blocking and offensive line, the Dolphins brought in Eric Fisher, I believe. So just what good teams do, replace players who are unavailable. Um, even though Xavier Howard had his first interception of the year against former Mr. Irrelevant, we were discussing where Brock Purdy got picked. He was the last picked player. That's right. He was too. There you go. Um, the cornerback room has been a relative disappointment, uh, where in years past it's been pretty decent in Miami. Um, he found a little bit of form with that interception, uh, but he's also given up 563 yards and six touchdowns on the year. So if we can somehow manage to maintain a little bit of time in the pocket for Herbert, there is hope that we can use our passing offense to be able to put up some scores. I will not rest on those laurels until I know <laughs> uh, 
what our offensive line is going to be, but it's a little bit of promise. Um, for me, one of our big keys to victory is to bring the pressure on Tua and to force him to be uncomfortable. Um, like it's going to be hard with what we have up front. Um, and I don't see it being a deep point of interest for this week's preparation. I don't think we're going to blitz more um, because that takes away people in the secondary. Um, yep. Trying to find a way to to use Derwin efficiently. Um, we, we're not seeing, going back to Staley being stubborn, when we don't see him use brackets on, on receivers when it's it can be necessary. Um, how do we stop Tyreek and Waddle if he plays? Um Derwin's role's been moved more into the box to help sustain run defense and pass yeah. rush. Um, yeah. So it's going to be important for more snaps for the likes of Adderley and Gilman um, or JT Woods uh, to not bite on fakes. And with that high percentage of play action, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of things that don't particularly bode well for us because our young guys bite on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you think's the big point of difference for for the Chargers to go into this game and hopefully pull out a win? I think, to your point, really, they must take away Tua's first read. That's got to be goal number one. Make him hold the ball longer than 2.49 seconds. I know he's very efficient of actually getting off his read, but there's a real question about do you play man coverage against the Dolphins with their speed and risk the fact that you just get burnt? The Dolphins did to, sorry, what Tyreek Hill did to Tampa Bay, that famous game on Sunday Night Football or whatever, where Tyreek Hill had 200 and something yards and Carlton Davis was just playing man coverage on him. And they're saying, oh, why do you play man the whole time? I think you have to play man. If you sit back, if you're a defense that aren't that talented at the moment, like ours, if you sit back and play zone against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you look out. Watch how easy it will be for them to dissect this defense. I say Michael Davis comes up and plays bump and run on Tyreek Hill. Load the box early because they're going to want to try and establish, you know, with those speed running backs and say to Tua, all right, we're going to going to try and make you not get Tyreek Hill as your first read. Get off that first read. Derwin's going to be roaming around and see if we can make him make some of those same mistakes that San Francisco did. It's all on Tranquil and Murray. Can they do a good job in coverage? Can they get to those tight ends who aren't that productive in this offensive system. Gesicki's not having a good year. Smythe is is average at best. So they're kind of my defensive keys. And then on offense, like you said as well, at this part of the season, the conversation starts and stops every week with pass protection. Miami are only okay on defense at pressuring the quarterback, but they're plenty good enough to cause trouble against this patchwork O-line. So the game starts and stops with the offensive line. And unlike last week, I have a feeling it might be difficult to establish the run. The Raiders aren't that good at stopping the run, and it showed when we actually tried to run the ball. The Dolphins are quite good at stopping the run. They've got some big meat on the interior. So I think this is a game I wouldn't mind us actually passing quite a bit. Motion, rollouts, play action, because, yeah, I I just can't see us getting a grand game established against this defense, my friend. What about the uh, result prediction? Do you want to start us off? Look, I'm I'm a bit burned. Only 24 mm. hours after the watch, I can't see the Chargers' defense keeping the Dolphins under three touchdowns. On the other hand, I can't see us scoring more than them. <laughs> Ultimately, uh, I've got the Dolphins winning 24-17. 
And I have the Dolphins winning 35-24. Oh, big one. Now that's okay. Everyone's going to feel like absolute balls at six and seven. And I think that I'm hopeful we start hearing rumors of, you know, Joey Boza and Lindsley. And it's going to be a matter of come in and try to beat the Titans with Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry, who's not running very well at the moment. And I think that's very possible. So I'm looking for, I think it's probably a loss this week. Get to 7-7 the week after and then play it out. And that's important to me because that Rams game needs to be meaningful because I'll be there with Kyle and we need, we can't be sitting there with six wins and, you know, Lombardi fired and, you know, there'll be no one in the stadium if there even is people there already, right? So come on, Chargers. There's, not gonna, there's probably not going to be too many um, Rams supporters with their whole team on IR and the greatest fall away from a former world champion that uh, I think the league's ever seen. All right, mate. Well, look, we've both got the Chargers taking an L this week, uh, but let's hope that it, it goes the other way. We always like to be as positive as possible, just sensible and realistic. Yeah. Um, let's hope for a great game. Flex to Sunday night football. More primetime Herbie. He had a great record in primetime coming up to this year. Now one and four on, on this year. We need to see that go two and four and uh crush this Hawaiian left-handed loser. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, we will sneak Alistair back in, I believe, for one more show before he disappears off to the States. Um, That's right. So we'll make the most of that next week. Until then, go Bolts. See you next time on the Thunder See Down you later. Podcast. podcast.